Cape Talk. A worldview from London with Adam Gilchrist. Good morning, Adam Gilchrist. Gosh, I'm all sport and competition out. We just had our this game, Brain of Brains, general knowledge competition. I went to Johannesburg contest and we can't win everything, but at least I have some silverware from the week and you have some silverware as well. Do you like my clothes? <laughs> Yeah, very nice too. Uh, circa nineteen eighty three. Yes, it is, the, it is the 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 gold Manchester United jumper with, of course, the 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 uh, the badge on my breast. But I hope you've had a good weekend. Let's start uh, by talking mm-hmm. about um, Russia Ukraine. Um, it's the Belarusian factor. What role does Belarus play in this war? It's a key ally of Russia who has intended, who has allowed, who has intimated that it would allow um, Russian ground forces to move through that country into Ukraine. Is that still the case? Yes, and they also had those joint exercises in inverted commas before the invasion took place. So just over a year ago, some very interesting talks are going on from tomorrow. Basically, the leaders of Belarus and China are getting together. Alexander Lukashenko, this ally of Vladimir Putin, recently, as you say, offered his country to Russia as a springboard, essentially, for a new offensive without actually having Belarusian forces involved. That might be a little bit of a game changer. Um, he's, a, 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 apart from anything else, with sanctions, etc. He's a hardline dude, is Lukashenko. Uh, but what about China in cahoots? On the one hand, Beijing has put forward a 12-point peace plan and called for a conclusive ceasefire between Russia and Ukraine without talking about who gets which bit of land. Mm. On the other hand, China's being chatted up to supply drones and other weapons to Vladimir Putin's forces. So is China playing good guy and bad guy all at once? I mean, it's something that America's used to doing. After all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we shouldn't be surprised if China's doing it. But Russia, Belarusia and China all agreeing they don't want NATO expansion. And that mm. seems to be driving quite a bit of that policy, the sort of fear of of NATO being in control of all of Europe. Mm. Uh, and Russia just doesn't want that. So hence Vladimir mm. Putin's empire of his own. Russia could, call, of course, argue that um, uh, Ukraine is sponsored by all sorts of military hardware, most recently tanks yes. from uh, Germany, France and the United States. And they could say... Well, um, a, a, not a belligerent in this conflict, but a supporter, an ally or a trading partner of us is simply supplying arms from the other side. And if this is fair for one Hmm. side to do, it should be fair for the other side. I guess, but of course, it's how those essentially neutral countries then play their part. So from Russia's perspective, or let's be honest, from, Russia's leader's perspective, Mm. because the good Russian is probably not getting the full Mm. facts. Uh, Although, of course, we also have to constantly ask ourselves, are we getting the full facts? Mm. But if you look at a country like China, what does it have to gain from Mm. being an ally of Russia? What does it have to lose? What does it have to gain from being an ally of NATO, Mm. etc., etc.? And it does seem that in this Mm. horrible bottom line, financially driven world, uh, ultimately, China is looking at this thinking, well, 
if everyone blows each other to bits, we'll come in and mop up afterwards, mm. won't we? You worry about that aspect of yeah. it as well. And many have mirrored or are trying to, to see some linkages between Russia and Ukraine and China and Taiwan. Seems to be part of the broader geopolitical yep, conversation absolutely. at the moment. Mm. Let's go to Turkey now. And of course, um, the aftermath of that horrific Earthquake. Something like 5 million people are homeless around the region of uh, southern and Turkey and northern Syria. Um, but it's not just the, the fallout from the uh, earthquake. It's also increased government repression, but also suppression of, of, of media in, um, mm. in, in, in Turkey. Uh, Taya Brissip Erdogan has been quite busy in terms of trying to censor some of the critical voices on whether there may be some complicity in this earthquake. Of course, not with the, the natural uh, phenomenon, but in terms of building regulations, materials used. There have been something like, uh, um, there have been a number of reporters in the last few weeks who've in fact been arrested in their reportage of the Turkish earthquake. Yes, it's these three things that are happening in Turkey. Here we are three weeks on from the the earthquakes. Uh, Obviously, the the mop-up, the recovery of bodies, uh, the clearing of debris is one. Uh, Number two is this investigation into the construction of buildings, buildings that fell down perhaps too easily when the next door one didn't. 600 officials have been detained for questioning about the construction of buildings across Turkey. And then this third strand, as you say, four journalists, including a freelancer called Mir Ali Kocha, have been detained, harassed, prevented from further reporting, supposedly for, here's the quote, spreading fake news. Thank you, Donald Trump, for that phrase. Spreading fake news and causing social chaos. President Erdogan passed some new laws on disinformation last October. And they're being put in now and therefore crack down on journalists for reporting in a way they don't like, in particular Mm. reporting on aid delays, an absence of aid in some parts of Turkey and indeed northern Syria, the building safety procedures as well. Mr. Kosher also happens to be Kurdish. So there's a whole other strand right there. But yeah, Turkey has issues, including the fact that it just seems nominally a democracy Mm. these days. What happened? What happened, guys? Mm -hmm. And then finally, um, coming to a Netflix documentary near you, Netflix seems to love the prison documentaries. Uh, El Salvador, one of the most violent and dangerous countries, uh, gripped with gangs and organized crime. They've built this massive prison. And essentially what they said is we're going to take all these gang figures out of the smaller prisons and just put all gang affiliated members or people who are serving sentences and affiliated to gangs and organized crime, we're putting them in one facility. What could go wrong? Or maybe (laughs) a very good point. What could possibly go wrong? Think of those mass breakouts in Mexico spring to mind. Uh, Yeah, this is the new uh, president of El Salvador who has decided that he will put, as you say, all the gangsters into the, as they call it, Center for the Confinement of Terrorism. I don't quite get why gangsters are terrorists automatically, but okay, that's that's another country's issues. And the first 2,000 criminals have arrived. If you ever wanted to 
cover up the fact that you're not a gangster. Of course, the, your problem in, in certain societies is that you are completely covered in body tattoos mm -hmm. that give away your affiliations and your past crimes. I mean, you, how many people you've killed is often etched onto your body in certain criminal gangs. And so this extraordinary these extraordinary pictures have emerged of these guys going in. They're all bare-chested, mm -hmm. they're all shaven-headed, they're all tattooed like crazy with all the various symbols of their affiliations and so forth. It looks like a Buddhist monk convention to some extent, no offence to Buddhist monks, but because they are all bowed, heads bowed, but not before God, this is before a guy with a gun and a baton, uh, they're all bowed, they're all chained, they're all wearing the same sort of loincloth, essentially, going into this prison. And the staggering thought is, this is the first 2,000 sent there, that something like 60,000 alleged gang members have been arrested so far, and 40-something thousand of them could end up at this centre for the confinement of terrorism. 40,000 in the same place, looking the same, uh, but of course with all their rivalries and all, all their issues, shall we say. It's quite something, and... Yeah, I just think Sylvester Stallone must be in there somewhere planning some <laughs> breakout or campaigning for them. They can't all, can they all be guilty as well would be one of my questions. And there are certainly some families suggesting they're not. I, I, I'm sure my prediction is going to come true. I think uh, there's a BBC journalist, uh, Rafael Rowe, who does a, a documentary series which we see on South African Netflix on the world's toughest prisons. And an El Salvador prison exclusively for dangerous mm -hmm. gangsters, I'm sure. The producer's already making phone calls to see. Can we pop in with a camera already? But Adam Gilchrist, looking forward to chatting tomorrow. Stay well, sir. Enjoy your Thanks, Monday. Bye-bye.